0: tailored healing collective podcast this is a space for but never limited to people of color for discussing sacred plant medicine pregnancy parenthood and more you know there's such a stigma on who can open the floor for conversation on these topics that are viewed as taboo or even inappropriate this fact alone has made so many become fearful of the very thing that could help us rebuild families create our own businesses and most importantly trust our role in this world as future ancestors So wherever you are, take a cleansing breath and do your best to listen with an open mind, heart, and spirit, and let love lead the way. I'm your
1: host, Taylor. And today, um, I'm uh, thrilled to be joined by uh, another sister in this space, uh, none other than Taylor uh, Valerio. Taylor, how are you doing today?
0: I'm doing great. How are you?
1: I'm doing awesome. Uh, Taylor's another advocate in the space, um, advocating specifically for, uh, well, largely for uh, other women in the space uh, and mothers in the space and other uh, BIPOCs also who who are interested in the psychedelics as well. So this should be a fun conversation. Uh, Taylor and I have a lot of similarities and things in common uh, in terms of our journey. And, you know, it should be a very interesting conversation.
0: I'm excited to be here. And... This is also the Tailored Healing Collective podcast. We're doing a collaborative episode today, and I'm here with Nick Arter. He is also a podcast founder who is working to create space for BIPOCs within the community who are new to the psychedelic space and interested in learning more. So excited to be here for this conversation today.
1: 100%. 100%. So here we are. We're right after, we're, we're about a week out of um, Michael Pollan's How to Change Your Mind.
0: Oh, yes. The new rave right now.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You know, and it's I I do think it's a good thing um, for psychedelics. We're we're seeing more and more mainstream adoption. Right. So the one thing that I didn't like about the documentary series is for the work that we do. I, I didn't really see any any people of color in the documentary at all. So we are seeing mainstream adoption, which is is dope. And, you know, we continuously support. You know, everybody getting help. But I will say, um, you know, I do think it's important we're having this conversation because, I, you know, there the was a lack of diversity uh, in that series as a critique that I had. And, you know, again, just all, all the more adds to our mission.
0: Yeah, I I watched it. I finally finished it all the way through, and I was trying not to be too critical of it at the beginning. I wanted to give him a chance because I did hear about the book before when I was starting my own psychedelic research. And don't get me wrong, he gives a lot of great information. It's very informative for someone who's very new to the space, who wants to know more about it, but it's told from one specific perspective. Now, he did have the fourth episode about peyote, which I thought did a decent yeah, job of yeah. highlighting Native Americans, but that's not the only one. He had three other chances in the episodes True. to talk about it. In that first episode where he kind of skimmed over the war on drugs, it, it didn't rub me the right way. I was like, well, you know, this wasn't a war on white hippies. This was essentially a war on black and brown people, low income, you know, pushing uh, the opioid epidemic, it, it was a lot going on. And that was a big missed opportunity, I believe, for him. So, you know, we have to kind of take that into our own hands now and retell these stories without leaving that part out.
1: 100 percent. And um, with that, yeah, the wrong drug they left out, they, they mentioned MKUltra, which MKUltra, for listeners who aren't familiar, was uh, experiments that were ran by the CIA in the United States uh, measuring the effects of LSD as a, as a mind-controlling agent. Uh, they mentioned they mentioned that uh, this was like a secret test too that were later revealed. They mentioned MK Ultra, but they didn't mention that a majority of you know the participants in MKUltra, Ultra, unwilling participants were were, were people of color. Um, I think that is often missed actually with with MK Ultra. Um, but yeah, I, I had that critique as well, particularly in that second episode on the War on Drugs.
0: Yeah, I've heard that quite a bit about um, MK Ultra experiments and. Again, you know, he he could have touched on that a little bit more. But again, I guess, what can we really expect when you're not living out that experience? You're only going to speak from your own experiences.
1: 100%. So yeah. I'm
0: not somebody who's going to get necessarily angry about it. It just gives me more drive to keep doing the work that we're doing right now, which is creating that space, making it a safe space for us to come and talk about it. Because, you know, Black and brown people, we're not okay, usually, with just coming out about topics like this. We've been criminalized for so long. Like, who wants to come out and say something? We all... I feel like we gotta be quiet about it. You know, we can't come out and be as casual with it unless you're a celebrity, of course.
1: <laughs> yeah, unless you're whiz, unless you made black and yellow. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know, I was excited. And I'll, I'll talk about that one real quick. I, I was excited to see it, but I'm I'm OK. I'm 30. So I grew up in that time when it was Taylor Gang all day long. Mm-hmm. I, that's my name, Taylor. So I was yeah, like yeah, associating yeah. myself <laughs> with it all day. But, um, you know, when he came out and he was talking about running a, a business in Amsterdam called Mr. Caps, I'm like, so he's been talking about cannabis forever and now mushrooms. So that's how, you know, the wave is starting. People are going yeah. to start making it more socially acceptable and they're starting with the celebrities.
1: Yeah, um, it's it's interesting. It's such, a, it's such a slippery slope, right? Because like on one end, it's like you want like mass adoption or like public awareness. And you know, like in America, we have a celebrity driven culture to where it's like you know, if a celebrity endorses it. That's the best way to spread, spread the message. But at the same time, you know, these medicines and you, you, these ancient practices and rituals need to be treated with with respect. Right. We don't want we, would, we don't want to turn them into like the app store. <laughs> you know, they should look like iTunes. <laughs> you know, it's it, it's a thing of respect. And it's just like an interesting conversation we're going to have as, you know, like we're saying as, as mainstream adoption, as we see that, you know, further and further along.
0: So I, I do want to ask what first brought you into the psychedelic space. I know we were speaking a little bit before the show, but would you be able to tell um listeners on my end what brought you into this space to begin with? Like how'd you get into it?
1: 100 percent Taylor. Um, so actually, I've I've always been into um like drawn to like eastern um religions and eastern traditions and, and spirituality, always been very passionate reading tons of spiritual books. But, you know, I kind of well, initially, actually, I'll say in college and it kind of was like in the back of my mind, like after college, you know, because, you know, you, you're off into the real world. Like there's not I don't have as much time to to sit and meditate as much anymore. But I always like the there's like an underlying truth that I always, you know, continued to 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 seek out. And I, I was aware of from reading, you know, um, Seed of the Soul, Celestine Prophecy, Eckhart Tolle, um, a lot of different books got into corporate America, uh, worked, you know, I'm 30, 31 now. Um, COVID hit, uh, in 2020. So just two years ago, um, that was like a time for us to like to really like slow down and focus on what's important. Um, and in that time, you know, I caught up on a lot of my, a lot of reading, a lot of going back to like a lot of the books that I was reading in college. Um, and I'm gonna sound like a, a hypocrite now, actually, because it was actually Michael Pollan's book. I know we started <laughs> we started <laughs> off hating on him. <laughs> but yeah, Michael Pollan's book, "How to Change Your Mind," I read during the pandemic, and it just completely opened my eyes because, like, it, it registered true in terms of like what I kind of like believe from like different. E- uh, Eastern religions and traditions and everything, but it had like a scientific scientific backing, you know, these things can be proven. So it's like kind of where the East and the West kind of like merged. So that like piqued my interest. Um, I live in DC, uh, where, you know, psychedelics are decriminalized. Um, and like, I just like ran like a Google search, like, you know, looking like to see where I could like do, go, go to a center and, and, and do psychedelics. They are decriminalized. So I couldn't actually go to uh, a facility for mushrooms, but I did find ketamine. And uh, there was like a ketamine infusion place actually about, you know, really close to my, my house actually. Um, and I did ketamine and it really changed my life. Uh, you know, like I said, slowing down. Cause I always was like a workaholic and an entrepreneur and ketamine kind of like just um, removed a lot of stress from my life, you know, removed a lot of fear, uh, a lot of anxiety and worry. Um, I went to like a series of infusions, like six straight for about a week. And then after that, uh, repeated infusions on a monthly basis. Um, and I still look at it like a, like a regular tune-up. Um, and from there, you know, I, I started looking more into the space. I didn't see uh, many people of color in the space. And I just kind of wanted to add my voice to to, you know, the collection of knowledge. Um, and yeah, here we are. And I actually just got finished. Um, I just went on a ayahuasca retreat just about a month ago, actually. Oh, wow. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we could talk about that a little bit, but that was, that was pretty cool. That was like next level. Um, probably my, my most transformative psychedelic experience. I'm still processing a little bit, but it it, it was pretty cool, but yeah. So I I, I'm here now and, you know, I just want to continue just spreading public awareness, I think that's
0: so important to spread that awareness just because, you know, the first time, and I'll say this because we are people of color in this space. The first time that I told someone of color, even a black man that I tried psychedelics, he told me I was smoking crack rocks. (laughs) Wow.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. That's the miseducation that.
0: though, right there. And that, yeah. <laughs> I, I got offended the first time he said that, and I haven't spoken to him in years, obviously, but, you know, going down the line, I looked back at it and said, wow, he's just really uneducated about what was going on as upset as I want to be. There's so much uneducation in our community, but things like, you know, Percocets and lean they're, they're so regular that if I told you about something outside of that, you would probably think it just for white people.
1: Yeah 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 100%. And and rightfully so because you know the, the drug war propaganda machine and you know so many so many people from our community you know getting in trouble for drugs so it's just like anything that's associated with drugs is just like no. And for everybody in America we've all were just like brainwashed by like dare and stuff like in elementary school like how are you going to come in like a classroom kids and say like yo is your mind's going to look like a scrambled egg. Like this is not, this is not realistic. America is just everything is fear.
0: That's funny. I was speaking with my brother not too long ago and we were talking about how dare I saw an article Dare was one of the biggest failures of the nineties, apparently wow. <laughs> Um, just wow. because, you know, the way that they were teaching kids was putting more fear into them than actually education. And mm-hmm. then at the same time, you know, not only were they not learning anything, they were more likely to do drugs than to not do them at at that that's time right. so it's like what was the point of the program then what did we get yeah. out of it
1: yeah yeah it's that's how a lot of things are right you try to fix it and ends up just making the problem worse um so taylor so could you talk a little bit about your your own introduction uh to, to psychedelics and psychedelic space as well
0: Sure. Uh, So mine was recreational my first time. I did not know what I was getting into at the time, but I was 19 years old, um, having a fun summer with friends and I tried LSD for the first time. Um, now, I had heard about LSD before. I heard Steve Jobs had done it. But back then, mm. you know, Apple was not as big as it is now. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But I didn't hear too many positive things. it. I did hear that he had a positive experience that helped him shape his company into what it was um, by using it. But I wasn't thinking that, you know. But those 14 to 16 hours of LSD were so transformational wow. in my life. I was never the same after, and it was a few years after. And, you know, one misconception I think that people have is they think that psychedelics is something that you do every day, all the time, and it's addictive. And it's not. This experience was so pivotal and so huge in my life that it took me about five years before I tried it again, because that experience sat with me for that long. Wow. So- um, moving forward, you know, I, again, I, I had a couple more experiences, but it wasn't until I was pregnant with my daughter, uh, who I have here with me now, that I had decided to go on a mushroom journey. And I had gone through some depression during the beginning of my pregnancy. I did not want to be pregnant at all. Um, and probably about, I want to say a few weeks into my third trimester, I took a trip to the beach and I decided to go on a mushroom journey for some reason. I just felt called to. And of course mm. I questioned myself, am I doing the right thing? I shouldn't do this because I'm pregnant and something just told me, just try it. So I did. And that was the catalyst for creating my podcast. After that journey, I told myself, okay, you've gone through all of these things. This needs to be talked about. This is a natural medicine that has helped you not only reanalyze how your entire pregnancy has gone, but what work you're supposed to do in life after this is part mm. of your calling and part of your purpose. And I knew I was going to get feedback and critiques. I got, you know, I had to drop my midwife who I had um, because she was wow. judging me in the space who was another black woman. But again, there we go wow. with the, with the uneducation, not knowing about it. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. it's easy to judge what you don't know about. Um, so I had my daughter had a healthy birth. She came out, I <laughs> uh, had a natural birth that same within that same time. And after that, and starting the podcast, you know, more and more people, came into my life and I decided that it was time to share with other people, not only just people who looked like me, but others that this is something that can be transformational and healing for so many people in their lives where, you know, during this pandemic, I saw so many people get more addicted to their phones, more addicted to, you know, painkillers and things like that, because they were trying to suppress all these things in their life. And Mm. what psychedelics has done for me is take away that repression. You can't hide away from it. Every fear you have, every pain, every memory that you think is forgotten about is going to come (laughs) up. It's going to resurface and you have to face that. It's not a magic pill. That's going to make everything go away. It's going to be a tool that helps you navigate through your next steps in life, whatever it is that you want to deal with. And you don't have to be addicted to it. It's not, like I said, it's not addictive. You go to it when you're ready It's a medicine that comes from the earth. And though I do appreciate the scientific side because I'm a researcher, I love good article. I love information. I was more in tune with the spiritual side of it. And I decided Mm -hmm. that mothers, because they go through such a transformational time and carrying a new soul and a child, that they were the main ones who needed to know about it. So, you know, that's Mm -hmm. how everything started and it's been going ever since.
1: Yeah, that's that's fascinating. there's, a, there's a, that first off, that's a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful journey. Um, there's so much, there's so many questions I have, like to unpack there. Um, but like starting with what you said at the at the end about you know the importance of mothers bringing in you know new souls and new like new life. Um, that kind of ties in to, like the work you do with um you know the healing uh with the use of the sound bowl. Can can you talk a little bit about that more and like explain like. Um, the significance of that and how that effective, uh, you know, especially like with, with, with an infant.
0: Sure. Yeah. Uh, so I actually started sound healing with the birth of my first son, which was during the pandemic. I had him uh, May, 2020. So the pandemic had just started. I was in quarantine and I decided to get sound bowls. We all had stimulus check money. <laughs> so I just, <laughs> 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 I decided to use it. Um, I had worked with sound bowls before, but none of my own, um, a friend of mine, her mother was a practitioner and, I started reading up on the importance of sound and how frequency and vibration affects our brain waves and how it can transform mm-hmm. anything. So, when I got this sound bowl, I started to play and noticed that I felt in different parts of my body being more relaxed, being more in tune. I'm an overthinker and have had chronic anxiety for as yeah, long yeah. as I can remember. So, when these bowls are being played, things started to kind of release and relax in my body that weren't normal. I'm used to like wow. my jaw tightening up, my shoulders getting tight, you know, just. Always on fight or flight mode. And I started to relax and I realized, wow, this can actually help. So after having my son, I started to play for him and babies are naturally already open. Their pineal gland is mm-hmm. wide open mm-hmm. at birth. Mm-hmm. It's through food, foods we eat, the what they consume on television that can decalcify that. So I noticed how much he was responding to it and decided, you know, this is something that I kind of want to pursue because mothers experience so much anxiety, especially in the BIPOC community, um, whether it be from not being able to breastfeed, not being able to be home to provide for their children. There's so many factors in it. And I thought that it would be an awesome tool to use. So the sound healing kind of started to go hand in hand with the plant medicine and entheogenic work because when you use these tools, you become so in tune with your body and you stop resonating with just the physical properties. You start becoming in tune with the spiritual ones and birth is a spiritual process. Like I said, Mm -hmm. you're carrying a soul inside of your body and sound is the first connection that you have with your child. They hear your heartbeat from inside, you know, from the very beginning. So being in touch with that, that's the first sound is life. Um, And like you, I also connected with Eastern medicine very early on, especially in my college years and was interested in the connection that we make between mind and body. So then, you know, it catapulted into me watching movies like Dr. Strange and things like that. Like, oh, okay, I'm not crazy. (laughs) This makes sense. They're putting it out there. Just nobody's really paying attention. So Mm -hmm. to gather that back up to bring with um, pregnancy and motherhood, putting those two together, these alternative forms of healing helped create this pathway in my life where I did not have to just be a mother. I could use tools that I healed myself with to help others who are going through such hard times and pain. And this pandemic has kept so many people closed-minded, shut down, not really connecting with the world and not connecting with themselves. So it's all about you know tuning in with your mind and your body to create a better relationship with self. And when you have that, I think the opportunity to transform is always there.
1: Mm, yeah, that, that, that's powerful um the sound sound in particular i think so i was just watching i was watching some documentaries it was called like the sound of the universe or something recently so all that makes just complete sense and you know it was just talking about like the ideas that the universe may have been birthed from like sound from
0: sound. yeah i heard that before
1: yeah yeah so that's when i like, can i was thinking about that and like you know the, the, what you do with with, with with the sound bowls like it just makes perfect sense um to me in my mind and especially like you know sounds like universal so like if a newborn you know may not know like language or be able to put together the words but like the universal sound and you know the vibration might translate in some universal way I don't know it, it kind of makes it, it it makes sense it makes sense to me I, I think it's a real beautiful thing
0: yeah and sound affects us all you know I have a I have a brother who is hard of hearing um he doesn't Associate with the deaf community or the hard of hearing community. Um, but because of that, you know, sound affects everyone because it's vibration too. It's not just Correct. the music oh. that you hear. You literally feel it in your body. And because we're made up of so many cells and nerves and receptors in our body, that's going to be the first thing it picks up. So no matter where you are, your body is always in tune with the energy that comes from sound, from frequency, whether it's outside hearing a car go by, you know, footsteps, any of that, it's always going to affect your body in some kind of way.
1: One hundred percent, and with that, Taylor, when, when you're playing, would you say that the way that you play is is more intuitive?
0: For or... me, yes, I, I will say that. I know people okay. get very technical when it comes yeah, to yeah. that, um, but for me, it's always been intuitive. You know, I was um, one of those gifted kids who. I heard music. Uh, I don't even know if you've seen this movie, August Rush. (laughs) It's an old movie. hasn't been out in a long time, but uh, it was about a musical prodigy. And I was not a prodigy. However, I've always resonated with music just in the way I feel it and I hear it. I taught myself how to play piano when I was a child. You know, with music, I'm a pitch learner. So I'm not... I'm not someone who reads paper. I taught myself to read music, but I listen and I feel I don't really go by laws and rules and things like that. And I guess that's just been the story of my life, too. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. No, I, I could dig it. Uh, art, art, you know, can can't can only be created from our feel, feeling center. Can't really you can't really think your way there. Right. Right. You, you, you can't think your way through art, you know, because it has to resonate with, with others. So, yeah, that makes total sense. Um can you talk about uh the the incorporating the two then so we have you know working with working with sound and vibration frequencies and then also um with psychedelics is there is there uh, intersectionality there that, that you can discuss a little bit?
0: I would say um, and I think I touched on this earlier a little bit, but being in touch with your body, I think is something that everybody needs to work on all of the time because we are beings. As of lately in this society, we're so used to having our phones in our hands all the time, having a screen in front of our face that we are very out of touch with body. And when you're out of touch with your body, it makes it very hard to connect with other people. It becomes hard to become aware of your own emotions. So connecting the two, um, I have had experiences where I have been on journeys and I have used my sound bowls during that time. And it sort of elevates the experience, if that makes sense, Um, playing it. When you are on a journey, and I'm not sure if you know this or you can speak to this yourself on your own um, with ketamine or even um, other experiences that you've had, when you are using psychedelics or plant medicine, you're having an out-of-body experience most of the time. So you're separate from self, the self that you have, your physical self, and then you have your spiritual self. So when we bring sound into it, when I say it's elevating the experience, you start to feel everything you're paying very close attention to everything in your body and the way you feel. So, you know, if I play a certain sound bowl, like, um, one of them, I think is 432 Hertz. Another one is 528. You feel it in your body. Mm -hmm. Um, it kind of allows space for opening because we can be very closed off. So when you allow it to open, you know, those emotions can flow more freely. It's Kundalini. Mm -hmm. So it's going from your root all the way up to the top. Um, and, When those things are repressed, it becomes hard to navigate through different areas in life. So I like to implement the two together um, for people, not during a journey necessarily, but maybe before or sometimes after, because it kind of prepares you for all the other emotions that you're going to feel. It's already going to be open and heightened by the use because, you know, it's altering your brain chemistry, but it's Mm -hmm. also going to, the sound's going to alter your body chemistry as well.
1: Yeah. Yeah makes makes total sense it makes so sense yeah i have i've had similar similar experiences uh well w- with with the ayahuasca retreat i just returned from in particular um i went to orlando florida uh, soul quest um was the place where i went for for my retreat um and they were playing akaros um I'm pronouncing it properly uh it's the 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 sounds made by uh you know when when in, in, indigenous folks use uh, psychedelics in the Amazon. They 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 created these songs called Aikaros. and instead of the songs and, and, and the vibration and the frequency that they they communicate, um, it it communicates with. Uh, it's, it's so hard talking about psychedelics. I want to say like other beings or like otherworldly beings in these other dimensions. And when you're on ayahuasca experience, you can like communicate with these other beings, and the sound like comes through. And like, it's just a shared experience in like a weird way where like the beings are communicating or like the beings are moving in sync with the sounds from these ancient Aikaros, which was, which is very fascinating. It's so crazy, Taylor, like you you (laughs) struggle like explaining psychedelic experiences to your friends ever. (laughs)
0: Um, like, yes, which
1: don't
0: is, is, <laughs> I have limited friends because of this and even the ones I yeah, do yeah. have they they don't understand and it's not something you can like sit and explain to them yeah, yeah. because it's a feeling like and there's yeah. so many emotions that come with it which was going to lead me to asking you can you tell us a little bit about your ayahuasca experience because I know that had to be huge for you
1: one hundred percent. It was really, really transformative. Um, as I was mentioned, just just talking about like the beings, um, it was really different from my ketamine experience in the sense that I definitely felt like I was communicating with something like outside of myself, and much larger than myself, and you know, completely just separate from me. And it had like all these answers and uh, just like infinite intelligence. Um, and it was, you know, last like six or seven hours. So I will say, you know, it was a full weekend retreat. Uh, The first night, um, you know, I I, I wasn't all the way able to let go, Um, you know, for, you know, our experience in particular, being being a black man, it wasn't necessarily, it wasn't naturally comfortable being vulnerable around strangers, Um, you know, just a full retreat, like 90 people. Um, But the staff really, you know, went above and beyond to really make, make everyone feel comfortable you know so I didn't get the most out of the experience Friday because I still were struggling to 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 let go all the way but I was able to trust the second day the second day after feeling the empathy and everything from the teams And in that second day it I had the most transformative experience I felt like I actually like relived like my birth um which was absolutely insane like you know I like I had this experience where I was like shooting through these lights and, you know, then I was like laying on my side and then like it just came to me. I was like, oh, I'm in the womb right now. And like in my head, like I was reliving my birth and I, like just like bursted through, through like all these different lights and, and stars. And, and And since that moment, I just have been consumed with the overwhelming sense of gratitude of just like after being born, it was just like, I just felt grateful to be alive like all the good and the bad, just like this overwhelming, deep sense of gratitude that I was picked to be a human being. Right. It, it, it sounds so crazy, but that was like the first thought that I had. And uh, this was probably about a month ago. Um, I had this experience and it, that that's feeling of deep, deep gratitude from like being born again, you know, kind of really, really lasted and stuck with me.
0: So can I ask you, uh, what is it like, or what does it feel like for you being a black man in the psychedelic space? Because I speak very often with women and I know our experiences can, even though they're, they're similar, they vary from that of a man's experience. And it is not very often that I see black men within this space, at least not publicly talking about it. And the ones that are, are very few. So how does that feel for you?
1: Um, I. I- it feels first off, I feel, you know, um I feel uh honored, you know, I feel honored that, you know, to to have these beautiful experiences to be able to to share. Um and you know, from my perspective, um I would probably say like the like as I mentioned, the most tough, the toughest aspect of it, or you know, initially shock was like difficult, like truly, you have to really become vulnerable. You have to really surrender. And just the way our culture and society, you know, how we're raised as, as men, especially black men in this society where we don't, it's difficult to really, you have to like let go and really trust. You have to trust. Um, so that was probably like the biggest challenge I had on an individual level. Now, speaking about these experiences, um, Man, I like I said, I just feel I feel honored and like because like I trust the 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 psychedelic like the medicine as like such an authority that it's just like I feel like honored that I can share this with others to help um you know to help others you know learn to grow and really like you know you, you gotta let go. We can't be tough all the time, right? We can't be tough all the time and that, that that's a thing uh for for black men, uh and rightfully so. But you know, that that that's something I think we we learn and and grow with in psychedelics. If that makes sense.
0: Definitely. And, you know, though, I will say using psychedelics, it will break down the ego. um, All these ideas you've had about yourself. Like you are a black man. I'm a black woman, you know, I'm a mother, you're a worker, you know, whatever these things are that will break it down. But I think it's still important to talk about why, having BIPOC speak up more about this is so important right now. Of course, we can dissolve all ideas of who we think we are, but we still have to come True. back to live in this 3D reality world where these things are still very real. There's still people getting killed, um, criminalized who are BIPOCs within this community. So it's like, how do we make that change and create that and then voice that over to people who don't look like us so it doesn't look like it's a us against them kind of thing?
1: 100 percent, 100 percent. And you know it's it's interesting. Um, the the another unique thing about our experience as well is there's, oh. as you mentioned, psychedelics tend to break down. You you go through an ego dissolution process, and a lot of times like the trauma that we have can be you know it's um transgenerational trauma. So like you know, America, America, we have to deal with hundreds of years. And, you know, it's, it's impacting us one way or another, we're just not conscious of it or not. And I do think that's what is unique to our experience in the space. Um, but yeah, it's it, 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 overall, um you know, the, the the more hearts we open up uh, for empathy is is just, you know, productive in itself uh for each of us in the space.
0: That's awesome to hear. um So where do you hope to see your platform grow too, or would you like to, you know, just continue being a voice within the space?
1: Um, what, what, what I really want for the platform is to provide objective, um, coverage and just really document. Like, like I said, I, 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 feel. It's, it's dope. Like that. This is the psychedelic renaissance is something we get to experience and we get to see and get to, you know, get to live through. And I just want to like document it. I want to document it as much as possible. Um, and also there's so many, you know, we talked about it earlier, but just the misinformation and miseducation. there's so many myths that need to be broken down. And I kind of just want to like communicate, uh, these ideas, these often complex ideas and like ways for mass production or mass understanding and, you know, for the entire public to just like gravitate towards it. Um, obviously I'm not saying my, my platform is going to be the one to do that. I just want to just be a part of this movement and just, just enjoy watching it unfold. Now, as far as where I think psychedelics are going, I would say, I think within uh, two to three years, we'll see MDMA uh, legalization for therapy. Um, And I think we'll see psilocybin in about four years, four or five years.
0: Yeah, I've definitely heard about MDMA and then psilocybin. I know it's already, um, I think it was approved earlier this year in Oregon uh, for use there for psilocybin therapy. So, I mean, it's going to be awesome to see more facilitators come about Uh, But like you said earlier, you know, this is going to be, even though we're witnessing this renaissance right now, you know, it's still going to have a certain turn to it, like most things do. And one way I used to describe it uh, to someone before was, now imagine the sacred indigenous medicines are within one country or a few countries that are very private about their use. Someone comes in, hey, I want to experience this. I'd like to try it. Reluctantly, person lets them try it. They try it. They take it back to their own town, village, wherever and say, hey, guys, come on, come on. Let's try this. So they try it and they say, oh, I want more of this. So they go into these communities that are not their own cultural practices that are not their own, you know, and kind of invade the space because they want to use it for their own benefit, their own use. Um, And, you know, that was the story ultimately of Maria Sabina that he kind of touched on and, and how to change your mind. but we saw how sh- her life ended, you know, her town blamed her for what was going on. So I won't say I fear, but I kind of see that happening right now with the way that it's resurfacing. You're going to have people who come in who were raving about it. You know, it's going to help my mental health and make me more accept, or, you know, help me accept death a little bit better, but then you're still leaving out these giant groups of people you know, who you took from in the first place, who Mm -hmm. have been in this country, you know, still under mental slavery, you know, that need to help, help come out of it, but you still benefit from keeping them in these places. So this medicine is not benefiting everyone. At the same time, we don't want to keep replaying these same stories. Hence why it doesn't matter how small of a part you think you're playing, you speaking out and using your voice is so important right now. It creates a space for people who don't know that there's a space for them. 100%
1: and with that Taylor, I do this just came to me as you were saying it also Uh, another aspect of of of, you know kind of what I also want to do is talk about the business side of it as well Um, because we are going to need some type of equity in the space also because that's I do have a have background experiences an entrepreneur and stock trader and and things like that so I also try to educate about you know what's going on in this industry because we live in like you mentioned earlier, physical reality. We live in this capitalistic world, and I, I do think there is a responsibility, you know, to, to ensure that you know those who are, are being compensated are, you know, it, it, it's just justifiably earned, right? It's given to the right people. So that's that's yeah. something else I, I do hope to hope to accomplish with the art plot project is equity.
0: I hope to see that as well, um, because I fully expect, it. you know, I can already go on Whole Foods today and see mushroom powder, you know, lion's main <laughs> tinctures and things like that being blast on the shelves now. So, you, you know, it's about to become a thing like where it's yeah. accessible. But again, like part of my mission is to make that accessible for everyone. But, you know, it's one thing I will say, it's difficult to create space where you still want to be part of a system that we're trying to break down right now Mm -hmm. you know the these systems put in place they they're no longer working for everyone they were never working for anyone but now Mm -hmm. people are coming to the realization that they aren't so outside of i want to say clinical use um there are people, especially in decriminalized states who are teaching to grow your own. And I know mm. that's going to be something that's also going to try to be regulated by the U.S. government yeah, yeah, because, yeah. you know, yeah, you yeah. put something out there like uh-uh, not everybody can have it. That's too much. You can only have this much because it's going to make mm. you go crazy, you, it's, know, this
1: nature. you know,
0: but that's how know you I mean. keep it in certain communities to make sure yeah, not yeah, everybody yeah. gets a piece of it, you know, that mm-hmm. it only benefits certain people. So, you know. I'll see it but hopefully you know with more people speaking out we can start to create that equity.
1: 100%. 100%. Um and and then especially like when you 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 you've spoken a lot about more um, than I have this episode but just like the history the ancient traditions of like the Iboga plant in Africa. I know you mentioned Maria Sabina's story. Um you know if psychedelics do like you know cause like the the revolution in mental health care that you know we think may happen in this country Maria Sabina it, it's largely responsible to her she is like the will be like the Steve Jobs of that uh, you know yeah. uh, of that revolution if, if you think about it cuz she introduced mushrooms to to western society and those everyone you know that type of respect needs to, to be given to the indigenous folks of Um, of this culture
0: definitely and I hope in the future to continue to bring on more um, people color and indigenous uh, people who have that lineage who can speak to their own experiences because a lot of people that I've spoken to it's also been lost within their own cultures because they've Mm -hmm. been integrated into western society so they don't even benefit off of it like they should because mm-hmm. they've been brought here into America where it was criminalized. So even if they have ancestors who are practicing, they no longer practice. So everybody's starting to kind of come back to themselves right now.
1: Yeah. T- Taylor, let me ask you this question. How was it like, isn't that that's like the biggest like, it's hard to reconcile in your mind, right? When you have that first trip, you had your first LSD trip and then like you realize like how tremendously like how poor that was and then, that most people don't know about it and the fact that it's illegal. Like it almost makes you you almost feel like a crazy person because it's like, yo, this is like <laughs> this is the solution here. Right. <laughs> you know, or like yeah. how could this be? How could this be illegal?
0: I've felt crazy since that experience, because I, one, I can't really talk to many people about it unless they're mm-hmm. already within the space, because I'm going to look like I'm smoking crack. rock. <laughs> 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 They'll be like, um, I'm sorry, what? But, you know, one of. Even though she's very uh, popular and trendy, one thing that made me feel so normal was when uh, Janae Aiko put out her album, Trip, and she talks about Mm. her experiences not only with LSD, but also with Mushrooms. And oh, I was wow. like, okay, so there is someone else of color and that a woman, dope. so I don't have That's to dope. feel like I'm psycho. Yeah, she's a celebrity, but I know that I'm not crazy because I felt crazy for so long having these experiences where you see everything in life is connected and there's more than what society yeah. has put in place. But it was yeah. such a new time in my life. I was you know, just starting college and things were different. And it's a very experimental time for everyone. Um, but being that... She had an album speaking about it. And then I started to find more artists that were kind of underground talking about it, but still being public with it. It made it more comfortable as this renaissance rises. I know there's going to be much more music that comes out because in the BIPOC community, we are storytellers. We use music in order Mm to, you know, share stories and share wisdom. So it will be a great thing to see. Um, But yeah, I mean. It's the crazy people who know everything's going to happen first. And I knew this was going to happen at some points the crazy people that have all the wisdom because they see things that others don't. So I guess I'm just one of them.
1: Mm, that's a bar right there. That, yeah, <laughs> I love that. That's a quote. I love that quote. Yeah. Um, How was that? Could you, do you, do you remember like the, the, like specifically what happened on the LSD trip? Can you talk about Yes.
0: That oh, I'll, it'll never leave my mind. Um, I mean, I lost sense of time. I will say that I would look at the clock and think that five minutes had passed or think an hour passed by was really five minutes. Um, I saw all sorts of colors and lights. It was, I was living in Illinois at the time where there are not a lot of city buildings or anything like that. It's mostly farmland, which means I got an awesome view of the sky. And when Mm -hmm. I say like, My interpretations of things that I saw, they're there. Like, I know that they're there. So the way that we interpret Sky with the Naked Eye is not the same as when you're on psychedelics because it takes you into another realm where you have more access to seeing different worlds right outside of your own. And I believe it was a quote that Maria Sabina said, there's another world that exists right outside of our own that's invisible. Now, when you're on psychedelics or using mushrooms, it's very visible and you see that. So for me to know that that world was there, but then it left automatically once the trip was over, it was kind of hard. It's like, wow, was I crazy? Does that place really exist? Um, And then like I remember towards the end you know, remembering that everything is connected, appreciating nature, just sitting outside and like, wow, I live here. Like I'm great. Like you had gratitude, like you were talking about in yours. I'm grateful to be alive and to share in this experience. I feel like when, um, depression kicks in in everyday life, you forget the things to be grateful for. You forget that we're all here to experience when you, when you see war, and you know, drugs and everything that is harmful and low vibrational in people's lives. And then you think about what happens during a psychedelic trip. It's not that you're negating that none of this happens. You realize that everything happens together in sync. It has to happen for a reason. The light has to coincide with the dark. You have to have both. We can't ignore one and not have the other. We have to live in harmony with both. And when you can kind of hold on to that feeling, it becomes just a little bit easier to balance through these things.
1: That's the truth. That is a that truth. And, and it's so, yeah, that, that's the truth. And that's, that's the thing is once you have, I would say for me, like once you have this experience, you just know truth when you hear it and you can really like feel it like on a deep level. Um, and yeah, I, I just felt that like there, there, there is um, a reality that is beyond our five senses. I'm not one of those people who believe like that the psychedelic is just psychedelic experience is just like you're hallucinating. Or it's just some chemical reaction. I do think it, it it does allow us to see something else that that's going on that might not be visible um um uh, all the time or accessible all the time. Um and DMT in particular, uh that was, you know, DMT is the compound um involved in like when ayahuasca.
0: I've experienced my, it.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So DMT is is so super odd as far as like the alternate reality is like. Because like I said, it's like there's there's something else that's talking to you. There's something else that's talking to you. And it's so, so bizarre. You know, I think they call it the, the MT, the, the spirit molecule.
0: Yes, I, I've read um a book called the spirit molecule it's funny because my husband is a super duper fan of rick and morty where they talk about i think in like every episode um but but more from like a a funny comedy point of view but uh yes i've I've experienced dmt and i've gotten messages during that time dmt is not my favorite i'll say because it's a lot to experience in a very short amount of time um I haven't gotten to experience ayahuasca, but through DMT, I did get messages about both of my children. And this was before I was even pregnant with her. It was last summer, actually. And I heard that your children will have the gift of seeing and the gift of knowing. And I'm like, okay, did I say that? Or did somebody else say that? But mm-hmm. it, it it always stuck with me I'm like you can't make these things up. There are other entities that exist outside of our world. It's just very hard to accept when we live in a world where we're scrolling on our phones and physical, you know living yeah. in a virtual reality world versus the one that we're here. Like when you're in touch with nature, that's a whole world, too. There are all mm-hmm. these realms within each other. Hence why I get into movies like Doctor Strange thinking a little too hard about these things mm-hmm. because they're putting it out there. They're telling you that there are realities that exist with one another, but people usually miss that point. You know, they're just looking into, oh, it's just a cool Marvel movie with superheroes. No, they're telling you these worlds exist with one another. I even found um spiritual reverence in was it the Avengers, you know, with Thanos and the infinity stones, because each of those stones that he had represented a different aspect of life and he wanted control of all of them. And when <laughs> oh, babe, you okay, babe? Oh. Um, you know, when you're thinking a little too hard or, you know, buried deep into a psychedelic trip, you realize everything that's going on in society, in the world, and kind of the the thirst for control and power. And that's where the freedom part comes in. When you're able to make your Mm. own decisions and create that own freedom within your mind, you don't become so entrapped to your own emotions and the negative Mm. feedback and vibrations that are put out into the world.
1: I, I felt Sorry, that I get too deep. I, I get too deep almost, sometimes. <laughs> no, that, that's amazing. I almost feel like this is like a part of my integration. <laughs> integration, such <laughs> like, because I this my ayahuasca trip wasn't too long ago, and all those things are re- ringing really, really true to me. Um, but yeah, there, 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 there's so much. There's so much. Um, you, you mentioned ayahuasca, which you haven't tried before. For me, I haven't tried um, LSD before, um, but I am a big. Um, i read steve jobs autobiography uh when i was younger also was was inspired by it so i was always also curious about that from what i understand is that lsd is more of like a a external experience as opposed to internal like you're not like closing your eyes and seeing colors like you're seeing like distortions and you know the things around you or that's like the, the focus is would you would you agree with that
0: Yes, I do believe it's a little bit more physical. I think it sits with you internally after, but I had more outwardly body experiences rather than inward. It was less emotional and more like things changing around me. And I would not suggest ever looking in a mirror while you're on, because that's one part I do remember. Everyone's I looked saying. in a mirror, saw my pupils and was freaked out.
1: <laughs> yeah, that is. I people say that often I think that was in pollen's pollen's doc also is like he looked in the mirror and like saw like a skull or something like that
0: yeah I did see that part (laughs) yeah
1: there was something like that um but yeah I was always curious curious about this like I said I know jobs jobs like says that was a part of you know giving him the inspiration for um to build Apple or to start Apple so I always thought that was uh, pretty cool um, Taylor, what do you think we we mentioned earlier about psychedelic or about celebrities in the space? What do you think about Mike Tyson's uh, involvement in the psychedelic space?
0: I've heard a few interviews with him, uh, one on the Joe Rogan podcast, which I'm not a huge fan of, but I watch just because I'm interested. <laughs> yeah. um, I think it's interesting to hear his take on it just because of the figure he was looked at, at least when I was a kid. Um, you know, he was just always thought to be like this rough and intense person. I mean, he's a fighter. So, you know, you yeah, yeah, you, yeah, yeah, you automatically yeah. make your your assumptions about him but to kind of hear like how it changed him in his life I felt like that was really interesting to see someone come out in that space and hear about how peaceful it made him and how much it made him change his his mind in the way that he once thought and you know if if anyone needs a role model I mean look to the people like that in your life the people who you see in one way growing up and you see them completely transform as you get older because you see it's not just you know the the medicine that's working through him he's gotten older and he's, he's had to I assume a lot in his own life so that's caused him to analyze take a look back at the person he thought that he was and kind of break down that ego so I, I think it's awesome for him
1: yeah it's 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 real cool because um you know like you said uh such the figure that he was like to see that transformation like it's 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 almost like a live case study that we all get to see um and and you know it's it's definitely bringing a lot more attention to the psychedelic space. We're, we're we're getting it constantly. Another celebrity, like, each each week or so. Uh, but Tyson, I would say right now, is probably, like, at least from, you know, things I've seen on YouTube, he's probably, like, one of the largest uh, voices in the space right now, Black voices in the space right now, um, I would say. Most popular.
0: Agreed. In pop, in pop
1: culture, pop culture, not in... uh Yeah, <laughs> yeah obviously not in academia.
0: Definitely in pop culture, I would say outside of pop culture, one of the, the more famous pioneers that have been within the psychedelic space has been um, Kalindi E and he has some awesome talks, he passed away um, in 2020 and I got the privilege to uh, interview someone in within his circle. And he is a very well-known psychonaut who speaks about macro dosing, taking very large doses to experience different universes. Um, he okay, speaks about okay. the history of martial arts. He was a martial artist and speaks about um, how some of the first martial artists learned from ingesting, you know, fungi and medicines to help them have these um these experience, not just these experiences, but these skills, you know, we think about levitating things like that. We think of those things as impossible when you can access those parts of your brains. I would not be surprised if they were using fungi because, you know, we only use certain percent of our brains as humans. So if you have more access to that, that's what mushrooms do for you. They are brilliant in the way that they are formed in the way uh, that they grow and, I wish I had that kind of access. Hopefully, one day.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, what what was his name
0: again? Kalindi E.
1: Kalindi. I'm gonna look him up. I actually haven't heard of him before. That, that sounds that sounds. It makes a lot of sense, right? Yeah, martial arts is you're 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 talking about bending like you know time and space and bending the physical to your own personal will. So yeah, it would be a natural connection that psychedelics you know maybe maybe been involved been involved in that. So I'm definitely gonna look into that more.
0: Awesome. Um, so one of the last questions I had for you today, so, and all the work that you've done, um, so far, what do you think has been your favorite part about learning about psychedelics throughout the space? My
1: favorite part, um, my favorite part, uh, is the people, the people I meet in this space. the space, the people I meet in the space, um, uh, like, including like, this conversation that we're having here today. Like when you go through your life, just as a working adult and like, getting up, going to work and come home. You don't encounter people who are into this stuff. And, and, and the folks who are into this stuff, it's like, there's, their their souls like radiate, like a particular, like an energy that you can kind of like feel. Um, and so everyone I, I've met in this space, they're just, they're just so bright and they're just so empathetic and compassionate. And I've just met like some of the greatest people that I've met in my entire life, like in psychedelic space, I'd say. So the people, um, That's what would you great. say they, um, what would you say for you has as, as been the most uh, meaningful experience in this space?
0: I would say the same because I grew up feeling so alone, especially after my first LSD trip. I felt even more alone in the world because I felt like I was tapped into all this universal knowledge, but most people are not tapped into that. And because of that, it makes me feel so alone and so crazy. So getting to meet more people within this space, especially in times where I spend, I mean, when I was, before I had my children, I used to be a photographer. So I would travel all over take pictures everywhere. And now since the pandemic, I've spent so much time alone in the house with My children, I don't get to connect with people as much anymore. And especially if I start talking about psychedelics, I'm like, okay, (laughs) calm down. Like, you've obviously been uh, alone for too long. But connecting with um, people in this space, um, doing the work that I've already done as a sound bath practitioner, it helps me realize that I can be a tool to help people not not feel so alone in the world. And in turn, I've gotten the same thing back. So, you know, I love connecting with people as well.
1: Yeah. Um, And, that's beautiful. And that's definitely how I feel like after this conversation it's Very very, um, you feel the energy, the energy is contagious. Um, and also have like a lot of things that I also want to like look into now. Like I'm, I want to research the sound, sound bowl healings more um, research a few of the names you've giving me. So it's just the people that in the space really make this space. I would say, um, but okay, uh, Taylor, this is uh, uh, another episode of the Arter Project. I really appreciate, I really appreciate you doing, doing the episode with me today.
0: Of course. Um, thank you for having me. Can you, can you tell my listeners how to find you too?
1: Yes. Uh, you can find, uh, find me uh, on Instagram, TikTok, or YouTube, uh, the Arter Project. Um, Arter is spelled A-R-T-E-R project. Uh, then also uh, my website and blog to where uh, I keep uh, my, my, my viewers up to date on psychedelic news coverage and insights at thearterproject.com. Um, and, and Taylor, could you just provide your, your social media handles as well?
0: Sure. Uh, you can find me at Sound Bowl Mom or just soundbowlmom um, on Instagram. And then my podcast page is tailored healing collective. So either of those, you can always reach out with any questions that you have. I love to meet new people and talk about them. And also, if you have any experiences you'd like to share as well, please come into this space. The more voices we have, the better.
1: Awesome. All right. That. That uh, does it for uh, another week of the Arter Project. Um, Nick Arter signing off. Peace. Peace.
0: of what is coming and let the universe do the rest i don't know how i don't know when but i manifest what i want again and again i don't know how i don't know when but i manifest what i want again.